Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Today we have another exciting guest, friends. His name is Clayton Pajanis, if I pronounce that right. And he's going to talk about his campaign. So welcome to the podcast, Clayton. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, it's pronounced Pajunas, by the way. Pajunas, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, all good, though. I, it, I get so many different mispronunciations, it's fine. Um, I'm used to it at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be on the podcast. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. We're glad to have an opportunity today. That makes me happier. Always good to hear. So, Clayton, let us get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Sure. Um, so, as I said, my name is Clayton Pajunas. Um, I'm currently running for uh, Congress um, in New Jersey's 7th Congressional District. Um, I've been involved in politics pretty much my whole life. I've always found politics fascinating. Um I started off uh, in more of like a Republican type of uh, mental framework. Um, I, my parents are, are very conservative, so I, I kind of grew up with that. Um, and then as I started, you know, going to high school and then college and, uh, you know, it being exposed to the world, I became more liberal and then realized that, I don't like either of these very much because they neither neither of the two parties agree with me completely. And so I started exploring different kinds of options, uh, which ultimately led me to the Libertarian Party, which is what uh, which is the party that I'm running um, under for for Congress right now. Sounds good. So earlier you said you're running for Seventh District, right? That is correct. Okay. So kindly tell our audience the demographics of your district. Uh, so the demographics are um, actually pretty diverse for uh, for New Jersey. Um, there are, or for rural New Jersey, I should say. Um, the 7th District is one of the largest districts in the state, um, and it covers mostly western Jersey, uh, okay. which runs along the uh, the Delaware River. Um, but it covers it covers uh, two counties entirely and four other counties partially. So there's a total of six counties that uh, District Seven reaches into, um, and uh, there's a lot of rural area, a lot of farmland. Um, but there are also a few cities, smaller cities, um, but they range from um, like small conservative towns. Uh, to Lambertville, which is a very popular city uh, in, in New Jersey that's a very, very progressive city. Um, they have, like, pride parades and everything like that, so they're they're very left-leaning. They voted for uh, Joe Biden in 2020 by, like, 80% or something like that. Um, so there's, in terms of the, the voting base, it, it's uh, quite diverse. So who are your opponents and what are they like? So the Democrat uh, who's running is the incumbent. He uh, 
he uh, his name is Tom Malinowski. Uh-huh. Um, he is your typical run-of-the-mill establishment Republican. Uh, sorry, not Republican. <laughs> establishment Democrat. Um, he's all for Obamacare and gun control and and things of that nature. He's uh, been very very supportive of the uh, the uh, weapons deals with with the Ukraine um, and all of our donations going over there. Uh, and he's been very um, vocal about his opposition to the Supreme Court um, opinion that was leaked about potentially overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, so he's he's pretty much just in lockstep with. Uh, with the establishment Democrats, and I'm sure I could uh, I could pre- I could predict what his voting direction would be uh, before he even told me. And um, and then the the Republican that's running against him is also named Tom. His name mm-hmm. is Tom Kane Jr. Um, he is. Uh, I, I would say he's your typical establishment Republican, but he's a little bit more entrenched than that. He's more of like a Mitt Romney type Republican, where uh, a lot of a lot of Republicans would refer to him as a rhino. Um, uh, rhino meaning Republican in name only, obviously. Um, his father was in politics. He kind of rides his father's coattails a bit. Um, he was in the state Senate uh, for a little while, and he's been trying to get uh, into the U.S. House for the past, I believe, the past three election cycles um, he's been running. Um, but this year is a big year because we're seeing a lot of districts uh, in terms of uh, as far as primaries go and preliminary polling. A lot of districts that are historically blue seem to be leaning more red. Hmm. So, um, and this, and District 7 in New Jersey, New Jersey is becoming more of a blue state. Um, historically, it's been a pretty purple state, uh, where it kind of flops back and forth, but it's becoming more blue. Um, but the 7th district is, is a pretty, uh, pretty 50-50 split district. Um, and I think it's, I think everybody is expecting it to go Republican, uh, this time around. The only issue there is Tom Kane Jr. is not what Republicans want. He won their primary, uh, just a little over a week ago with only 45% of the vote. Um, so more than half of the party voted against him. Uh, but he still ended up winning because there were just that many people on the ballot uh, in the primary um, where he ended up getting the plurality of the vote. Um, but I see this election cycle as a great opportunity for myself as a third-party candidate to pull votes not only away from Democrats who are upset with the current Democrat agenda, but also from Republicans who aren't going to want to vote for a, uh, a Republican like Tom Kane um, who 55% of the party did not vote for him in the primary. So I think that's a pretty substantial base to pull from and potentially get a lot of, uh, a lot of support from my campaign. For it. So I, I, uh, I have a very positive outlook on, on this campaign. That's good. 
good that you're in that position. Yeah, so you, it's exciting. Yes. How do you plan to implement your Libertarian Party, party vision in the office or in the race, depending on what happens? So, uh, interesting that you worded the question that way, uh, saying depending on what happens. So uh, I mentioned before uh, we started recording uh, that I had some some interesting news that I think would be a good topic for discussion. Sure. So uh, let me, I'm going to roll right into that, and then I'll come back and answer your question. Okay, um, go for it. So our as a third party candidate, uh, I'm I'm not involved in any primaries. So I had until the date of the primary to submit my petition um, for candidacy, which was June 7th. Uh, I had to turn it in on June 7th. And, and in New Jersey, the typical number of signatures that a House of Representatives candidate would need to get their name on the ballot is 100. Because it's a redistricting year, um, we only needed 50. Um, I turned in, yes. Because it's redistricting, so there's different people, and people. some people don't even know what district they're in. A lot of people that I've talked to were in District 7 but now won't be. Um, so they're getting a new representative, and some people who weren't in District 7 now are in District 7. Um, and, like, for instance, Sussex County, which is the northwesternmost county in New Jersey, um, used, used to be – zero percent in district seven district seven didn't even touch suffix county now district seven has like the lower third of uh suffix county so um we're it it's a pretty big uh redistricting uh it's a pretty big districting change this year um so yeah that's one of the rules in new jersey is that you only need 50 signatures in a redistricting year um i knew that my race would be heavily contested, so I made sure that I had uh, enough signatures that I knew for a fact were absolutely legitimate because the Republicans and the Democrats have the opportunity to challenge my petition to try to get um, signatures crossed off uh, okay. to bring me below that threshold so they can kick me off the ballot. So on Tuesday the 14th, uh, which was just two days ago as we're recording this, um, I had a court hearing because I got challenged by Republicans because oh they are scared of my campaign and they're scared of me pulling votes away. Um, and Tom Kane really, really wants to be in Congress because he, he doesn't really want to help the people. He just cares more about power and status. Um, but so he, his campaign challenged my petition. So I had a court hearing. Uh, his lawyer was in attendance, and we went through virtually my entire petition. Um, there were many signatures uh, that I know for a fact were legitimate signatures that ended up getting stricken from the ballot because they ended up pulling up the statewide voter registration system and pulling up the individual's signature that's on file with the voting system of the state and comparing the signature on my ballot to that signature. And a few of these 
the judge had deemed different enough to uh, for him to cross them off the ballot. Now, the the interesting thing about this is that, first of all, when I don't know if you've ever done petitioning or if any listeners have ever done petitioning, but typically you stand on the street or outside of like a supermarket or something, and you have a clipboard and you talk to everybody running by and trying to get them to sign this thing, right? So uh, while you're holding a clipboard and someone's trying to sign it quickly, maybe they've got their hands full if they're coming out of a grocery store or something, they've got bags and whatnot. So the handwriting is always messy. The signature is never exact. And uh, a lot of these registrations, when people sign their signature, were from over 20 years ago. Where So the handwriting is bound to be different. Um, and the judge acknowledged that he is not, uh, he is not trained to examine handwriting, but still decided that he had the, uh, the knowledge enough to decide that certain signatures were different enough to strike them from the ballot. So what ended up happening was they struck enough signatures to get me down to 47. Now, so what, so they, they're thinking I'm off the ballot. Uh, I am appealing this, uh, this ruling. Uh, my, I have a whole great team of people at the New Jersey Libertarian Party helping me out. Um, we're filing an appeal. I am getting signed affidavits from people that I personally know that I watched sign the petition, that I know their signatures are absolutely legitimate. They're registered voters. They live in my district. They, that's their signature, but their signature got crossed unjustfully. So I'm getting them to sign affidavits confirming that they did, in fact, sign my petition, and that will be submitted as evidence with my appeal process, and I'm going to be getting my name back on the ballot over the course of the next week or two. Um, awesome. So, yeah, that's a very that's a very complex Story. I could talk about this for the entire half hour, um, but I don't want to. I don't want to bore you with the details of, of the court proceeding. Um, it, it basically just comes down to they they went into too much detail that was overly necessary, um, and the um, and the judge went above and beyond his duty to a point where it was uh, it was unjust and was striking names from the ballot that he had no business striking. Um, so we are appealing this process to the state Supreme Court, and I'm going to be getting my name back on the ballot, and I'm confident that that will go through because I have people that sign my petition that are willing to testify to the fact that they did, in fact, sign my petition. Yeah. So, so you need three more at least. To, if they find three more signatures, you're on, right? Exactly. That's the other thing. I only need three more. So it's really not that big of a deal. The the amount of the amount of scrutiny that they put my petition under was unbelievable. And like uh, another interesting fact, there are thirty four independents running in the state in this election. And I was the only one that got challenged. Oh my. There are other libertarians in other districts that turned in petitions with maybe 55 signatures. 
And, like, so just barely over the limit, and they didn't get challenged. But because my race is contested, because Tom Kane is worried about losing the election to uh, either myself or to Tom Malinowski because I steal votes from him, uh, he just wants my name off that ballot because he just wants people looking at the ballot and just checking the R. He doesn't. He hasn't really even been campaigning. He's been quiet for the past couple of months. He just wants people to vote Republican without looking at it. We're glad you're fighting, Clayton. That's awesome that you're not going to lie down and let them get away with it. No, of course not. I've seen I've seen too much corruption in politics to let something as easily uh, as as easy to fight as this uh, go without a fight. Um, I've I've seen very corrupt, unjust rulings in the past, and this is one of them. And because it's happening to me, I am acutely aware of it. Um, And so we are fighting it with full force. Good. What we need. Exactly. I'm trying to be that voice for the people of New Jersey that actually wants to fight for them and represent them properly to the federal government. It's a good way to start out your tenure, so you get elected, is you get right out of the gate when during the election. That's good. So you were mentioning that you have people in the Libertarian Party of New Jersey helping out. So it sounds like you have people working on your campaign. So what's the campaign team like? So the past, like, couple of months have been a little bit on the slow side. We've been waiting for the primaries to pass to really ramp things up because in the primaries, I mean, the the incumbent Democrat, Tom Malinowski, we knew he was going to win his primary because he's already in the office. But in terms of the Republican primary, we had a really good feeling that Tom Kane would win, but we weren't totally sure. So we wanted to know exactly who our opponent was before we went full force into campaign messaging, um, because we want to know what our campaign or our uh, our competition is like so that we know how to frame our campaign. Um, so we're starting to ramp things up now. Um, but unfortunately for uh, for me, this lawsuit um, that I'm getting involved in and this appeals process does cost money. So that's pulling a bit out of my out of my campaign funds. Um, but we we will not stop. I I, do, I don't rest. Um, I plan on running a a full campaign um, that's as aggressive as I originally planned on it being, regardless of the amount of funds. Um, sure. We are we are trying to just get the messaging out there um, because a lot of people, um, especially on the Republican side, um, a lot of people think that the Republican Party is one thing. Um, so they just assume that all of the candidates vote a certain way. And Tom Kane has voted in lockstep with Democrats for the past, I don't know, six or six to eight years. Um He's been voting to expand Obamacare. He's been voting for um, for uh, gun control. Uh, he's been voting against uh, parents' rights when it comes to education. So there are a lot of things that he's doing wrong in the eyes of the Republican Party. 
Um, and those are things that I plan on highlighting in my campaign to draw from his voter base. Sure. So what is your campaign strategy? So our strategy as a whole is uh, to just is to car is to carve away mostly from the Republican side by okay. um, by being that true voice of of liberty, and um, we're also planning on uh, trying to carve away from the voter base of the Democrat side um, with our anti-war message. So as libertarians, we abide by the non-aggression principle, um, which uh, if you or listeners haven't heard of, I could summarize it very quickly. It's essentially just don't aggress upon others who haven't aggressed upon you first. Um, so we are very anti-war. We don't like all of these regime changes that are going on halfway around the world. Um, the whole war in Ukraine, we are opposed to getting involved in. We believe that is not our fight. Um, the fact that we've been sending billions and billions of dollars and, and weapons over to Ukraine, I think, is uh, I think is beyond the scope of what we should be doing. Um, and there are a there is a traditionally anti-war base in the Democratic Party um, that we plan on appealing to. Um, with with our messaging. Sure. So in regards to a couple of big issues that are big around the nation and are naturally big, I imagine, in New Jersey as well, one being homelessness, I imagine that's big in New Jersey like it is in pretty much any state. How would you plan to address homelessness shall you get elected with your libertarian party views? So, yes, homelessness is, is a problem in New Jersey, mainly um, on the East Coast, closer to New York City, um, in the Newark area, and um, on the West Coast, outside of Philadelphia, in the Camden area. Um, those are very densely populated areas that see most of the, the homeless population. Um, and I think the easiest way to combat homelessness is uh, is with a robust economy. Not okay. only because so many people that have lost their jobs in the past three years um, due to inflation, uh, r rising costs, and and businesses being shut down, and um, you know all of just all of the things, the lockdowns that we saw through COVID, um, all of these things that have. Uh, contributed to people either losing their jobs or not having enough money to be able to pay for housing. Um, so a robust economy would absolutely solve that problem. Um, but beyond that, uh, a robust economy will have a surplus of wealth that would be able to, uh, that would be more inviting to um, things like, uh, like 501c3 nonprofits that help with that sort of thing. Um, I don't believe that it is the government's role uh, to be involved in everything. Um, I believe in as limited government as possible. Um, and I believe that the government tends to mess up just about everything they do. So I, I truthfully wouldn't trust a government program 
uh, to combat homelessness, I would think that they would only be making the problem worse. And we have seen that in situations like out in L.A. and San Francisco um, on the West Coast and in New York City on the East Coast. Um, those cities have huge, huge funds uh, to try to combat the homelessness crisis, and they do nothing to fix the issue. Uh, in fact, the homelessness in those cities has only gotten worse over the past few years. Um, so I think ultimately that should be uh, left up to a charity or a nonprofit um, that would be in a much better position and also much more able to help people uh, with existing in a robust economy, not only because uh, they would be more active, like, on their own, but also because other people would be more inclined to donate because they wouldn't have to be, you know, penny pinching to afford their $5.30 gas. Sure. So it's right now, as we all know, COVID is here, but it's slowly going away. Things are slowly but surely getting better for COVID. So it may not be too much of a deal shall you get elected in 2023 when you start your term. But in case it's still here, how would you address the lingering effects of COVID? So at this point, um, I don't think there is any way to address the how you referred to it, lingering uh, effects of COVID. Um, and, and what we're seeing now uh, with COVID and, and the mutations that it's gone through is it's brought it down to a point where it's not nearly as deadly as when it first came around uh, back sure. in early 2020. Um, now we're at a point where it's essentially a, a bad cold. Um, obviously, that's not a, you know, a 100% for everybody. There are still people getting very sick with it. There are still people uh, dying from it or uh, dying from complications that it causes. Um, so it's definitely something that still needs to be, that we still need to be cautious of as a population. But I don't believe that it's necessarily any more dangerous than any of the other um, viruses that already exist that we just have to try to uh, be wary of in our day-to-day -day lives, um, like the flu, for instance. Um, so I think at this point, it's just uh, up to the individual to be as protect protective of themselves as they want. Um, if you want to go out without a mask, I think you should be able to go out without a mask. I'm, I've always been against mask mandates. Um, I think it's just a matter of, uh, of individual responsibility at this point. I, um, I, I don't believe that the government should be making any sort of mandates, any sort of uh, mask mandates or vaccine mandates. I, I think that we should just be leaving it up to the individual at this point because there are people who uh, absolutely are at more risk of it. Um, my, I have a younger sister uh, who has type 1 diabetes, so she was always at high risk for COVID because type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disorder, unlike type 2. Um, so I've always been very cautious uh, with COVID in regards to my sister, um, but I think at this point that's 
something that is uh, that's more for her to be personally responsible about. Obviously, if I have COVID, I'm not going to go see my sister, but I don't think that uh, that it's I don't think that it's uh, everybody else's responsibility to be careful for her sake. I think that she is an adult and she is fully capable of taking care of herself and we don't need the government pretending to be, you know, like this parent, this overbearing parent that's trying to tell us what to do. Fair enough. So for our audience out there, how can they support your campaign? The best way to support my campaign would be to go to ClaytonForCongress.com. Clayton is spelled C-L-A-Y-T-O-N, and then the number four, and then Congress. So Clayton, number four, Congress.com. That is my campaign website. Um, There you can find uh, an About Me section. You can see uh, events that I will be going to coming up. Um, There is a platform uh, where you can read about my stances on certain issues. Um, And uh, there's a donate link if you want to give to my campaign and help me in this fight. Um, And there is also a store uh, where you can get some Clayton for Congress merch if you want. Um, I'm sure that's not too appealing to people who might live outside of New Jersey, but if you have any listeners in New Jersey, which I'm sure you do, uh, they might be interested in something like that. Um, so that's that's the best way to support my campaign. I also have a uh, a Twitter page that's just at Clayton Pajunas. Um, my last name is spelled P-A-J-U-N-A-S, um, and that's just where I I talk about all the things that the government is doing wrong. All right, Clayton, we wish you all the best in your campaign, and with that ballot access. Court case, we wish you all the best in your appeals, and may you get those three extra signatures you need to get on the ballot. Thank you very much. I very appreciate your uh, your well wishes, and I will be letting you know the good news that I'm back on the ballot in, in due time. Awesome. Clayton, we wish you all the best in everything in life, so take care. Thanks for being on the podcast again. Thank you very much. You have a good one as well. Take care. All right, bye.